0: Hello, my name is Emily Jansen and this is the Leadership is Female podcast podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a triple A baseball team in minor league baseball. and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the leadership is female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marian Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity Learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. I've been watching Jahan for a while. I know that sounds creepy, but that's how you do on Instagram, right? I noticed Jahan was a former front office sports executive for the Red Sox, Yankees, and then my hometown Cubs. After 15 years of much success leading and building out customer service programs, she made the career transition to pivot to help women be successful in their sports careers. She became a career coach, podcast host, and sports contractor on some pretty cool events and projects. I started to think about the hashtag Women Supporting Women and thought, how can I support this woman and cheer her on? So I started to like her content, post supportive comments in her thread, and share the podcast episodes she created that I enjoyed. And guess what? She started supporting me too, and we created sort of a friendship through Instagram. I sent her a DM about joining me on my podcast because I knew just how much her voice could help all of you and me too. She immediately said yes, and that um, she would be in contact with me. See how that all works. Hashtag women supporting women. And I'm so pumped to bring you Jahan's episode today. Jahan Blake, sports executive turned career coach, helps high achieving women in sports and entertainment industry who feel stuck, frustrated, and defeated find their voice and tackle whatever is keeping them from getting exactly what they want out of their career, Whether her clients want to break into sports, take their performance to the next level, or own a place at the executive table, Jahan provides customized coaching programs to accelerate their career. Jahan is also the host of the Game of Her Own podcast, which highlights the inspiring journey of influential women working in sports and entertainment. These candidate interviews offer unique advice and strategies to help empower women in the industry. Without further ado, I bring you customer service expert, two World Series ring wearing, ultra positive, backing that up with hard work and all the advice she can offer based on her real world experience, Jahan Blake. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome Jahan Blake, the founder and CEO of the J. Blake Group. Welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Yeah. For um, all of the listeners, Jahan and I our Instagram friends, which basically makes us friends in real life. Um, I found Jahan probably back, uh, in August and she's doing great things, uh, for the sports community and she lives in Chicago. So I instantly felt a kinship, uh, because that's where I'm from, as you know. So, um, today is our first convo and we are recording it for all of you on, uh, all the listeners on the podcast and Jahan is going to dig into her past, um, her long, awesome career working in sports and now her consulting agency. So if you would tell us who you are and what you do to get us kicked off.
1: Sure. So Jahan Blake and I run my own uh, consulting agency and career coaching company for women in sports. So on the consulting side, I work with sports and entertainment organizations and help them align their frontline staff, their fan experience to what their brand promises. And then on the uh, career coaching for women, I work with women and help them like find their voice, right? And help them get unstuck, if you will, so they can take their career to the next level.
0: I love it. I love it. So you started off working in the front office. So tell us about that. Your first stop was with the Red Sox. Uh, in fact, you have two World Series rings. You went from Boston to LA to Chicago. Um, so tell us about that journey.
1: Yeah. So God, it was 18 years ago, which is kind of crazy. Like this morning I interviewed my very first intern was now like 30-something, which I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> how did that happen? Uh, but yeah, I was lucky enough to start my career with the Boston Red Sox. I applied to be a Fenway ambassador, um, and it's what's funny about that story is I was getting my master's at the time, and I thought, well, obviously, they need to hire me full-time, not in a part-time capacity, and my boyfriend at the time, I don't know if he t- still knows that I tell this story, but he like was like, if you can get a job with the Boston Red Sox selling hot dogs, you take it. And I just couldn't understand. I was like, what do you, okay, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll apply for it. Fine. And 4,000 people applied. And so it was this intense three-month job interview process. Um, I got the job with 25 other people who are still, some of them are like my closest friends and family. Uh, but I started working part-time and then like slowly just, I saw what I knew what I wanted. I wanted to work full-time. I wanted to be in that front office every single day. And um, somehow I pulled it off and I was there for just about eight years. And then I noticed that's when I learned about myself is that I don't love to maintain programs. So the ambassador program was created to be the liaison between the front office and the fans. And they really wanted to improve the fan experience. And I had so much fun doing that. But when I realized, okay, we have like, we have actually made change here. This is amazing. Now I'm just maintaining the program. So I'm like, what else can I do? Where else can I go? And my boss's boss uh, had left and went to the Dodgers. And so I followed him on out there, gave him a call one day and was, you know and it, it worked out really well. And um, you know, made my biggest jump salary-wise, title-wise. I like, I just recorded an episode about this. Um, You know, it was a great, we made huge strides. I was there for about a year. And unfortunately the owners got a divorce and everybody aligned to one executive was fired, which was the wife, right? There's the husband and the wife. And so everyone aligned to that executive got fired. Uh, And so I hit the ground running and um, the Cubs, the new ownership had just taken over. And it was just, it was like this perfect timing. Someone sent me a text and said, this is you. And it was an article on ESPN.com. And it said, the Cubs are looking for a new chief hospitality officer. I'm like, what? I was like, first I said, nah, I was like, I can't can't do that. And then my boss was like, you 100% can go. And I was like, okay, you're right. And so I figured it out, um, emailed the owner and the um, president, wrote them both letters too, because I was super persistent and it worked. Two weeks later, I had a job interview and a week after that, I had
0: a job offer.
1: And that's how I made my way to Chicago.
0: That's incredible. And one thing that I know about you is your network. You have an incredibly strong network within and throughout the sports industry. And that is something that helps one thing leads the other. Can you talk a little bit about how do you maintain that network for the listeners who are starting out or maybe along their path? What are some tips you can lay down for them to steward that network to make sure that they're serving those people and then when it comes time, those people can return the favor? I, so, you know, I always
1: have looked at my network as, I didn't, I never like really called it my network. I just like made friends everywhere I went and I, I would just keep in touch with people. And, you know, my husband laughs at me whenever we travel, uh, I know someone in that city. And so he's just like, wait, how do you have a friend here? Who in the world do you know? And I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so. We worked on a project like 10 years ago. And I'm like, and we're still friends, <laughs> you know? And so like in my head, I just don't see anything other than like someone I, I had a, professional relationship with it and they made an impact in my life and I just wanted to stay in touch. Um, So just to me, it just seemed natural. Like I'm gonna grab coffee with so-and-so when I'm in town. Um, If they're in town, they'll do the same. And I just, I had no real strategy behind it. What's funny is when I worked, and this is one thing I always tell people is, you know, if you're working for a team now, yes, you're getting so many messages on LinkedIn and you're getting them from people who don't work in sports but use this as a time to connect with everybody you want to, because if you ever leave sports, you're going to, you know, you want to keep that network. And I I didn't do that. Right. And so I never paid attention to LinkedIn. I didn't really care. Everything I did was authentic. So I, I think the best advice I can give people or, you know, give women is just make it authentic, talk to people you want to talk to, like talk to people you want to get to know. Like as soon as I found you, Emily, I was like, Ooh, I was like, who is this boss? And I immediately like put you on my um, list of people I wanted to interview for my podcast. And, you know, I was like, I don't know her, but I feel like I know her. And, and I think that's okay. Like you can reach out to people. If you feel like there's somebody who asp- inspire you and you
0: want to talk to, just, just have a conversation with them. Yeah. And that word authenticity pops up quite often um, with the female leaders that I speak with or that I interview. And that is definitely a common thread. Um, And I hear you saying it, be authentic, make friends. It's not about this architect of a network that you've created and and who can use who and how does this all work. Um, It sort of spins naturally. So putting yourself in that frame of mind to to make friends and be authentic and, and serve the people who who are out there um, looking for help or can potentially help you is, is how you can uh, create that larger um, atmosphere of, of those for the future. Yeah, you know, yes, and I,
1: I agree with you and you made me think of something else. It's just a lot of, you know, what I hear a lot of women saying is, oh, it's icky, networking, and I'm so angry. I was like, no, it's not, you're thinking, you have to reframe how you're thinking it. But I they're like, oh, I have nothing to offer but how do you know you haven't had a conversation with somebody yet? How do you know what they need? So just go and talk. And when I worked for a team and I always recommend people do this, I wanted to meet all of my counterparts and not just like on a, Hey, I'm sending you an email. Like I wanted to go, like I was in New York um, when I was working for Boston, I went to New York and I met with the, you know, my counterpart at the Mets and he's still a friend today, you know? And so I, but I just wanted to learn what he was doing. And then I realized, oh, like I shared things that I was doing too. And I I had stuff that could help him. But going into it, I had no idea. Like I had no idea. And I I remember we had a meeting. Like I didn't mean for it to be so official. Like three (laughs) other people came to this meeting, like including his boss. And I'm like, what is happening? Why am I in a boardroom with like three men? I just was coming to network. But it turned out to work out. And um, we served on boards together. And, you know, he helped me with tickets, you know, a couple of months Like he's just like, a friend, a good person.
0: Yeah, and you you created an opportunity. So it, it, you picked your head up and opened your eyes and said, hey, you know, I work in this job. I do this role. I wonder what my counterpart might be interested in or what he's working on at this other team. So um, encourage everybody to start to put yourself in that frame of mind. Maybe ask yourself, what would Jahan do? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you are now working in sports consulting. So you left the Cubs and started your own gig. What does, what does your day-to-day, week-to-week look like?
1: You know, people can't see me, but I have to take notes because I'm a storyteller and I forget the question because I go down this path. So <laughs> my day-to-day, um, it, you know, it was one, of, it was a hard transition because I'm used to like Being around so much energy from, you know, you have the field in the background right now, like just so much energy from the field and the fans and the players. So it was a hard um, transition in that sense. But being able to, you know, connect with a client and go in and understand exactly what they need, have a seat at their table and be able to talk to all the executives and then be. And then be done with it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then move on. And that's exactly what I always knew I wanted. And I, I just finally had to get that courage to do it, right? But for consulting, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's really interesting because I could have two or three clients and that can all that work fills up my day, two or three clients in a year. But all that work can like fill up my entire day and talking to them and doing Zoom meetings and keeping up communications, letting them know the value I'm bringing to the table without saying, here is the value I'm bringing to the table, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sending out those, those strategic emails all the time. Um, I know, it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. Can you tell us about the most memorable project you've worked on so far?
1: You know, so one thing that I loved about what I was doing is that I said I wanted to work with sports teams. And then I said, oh, why can't I work with other organizations too? Like I can work with venues. And then I realized there was this market to work with uh, entertainment companies. Uh, so, you know, I was working with a brand experience company and they, and what I loved about them, and this is what, you know, it's always nice to have an ideal client, you don't always get them, but what I loved about this client is they knew their strengths and they knew that they were not good at training. They knew that they were not good at bringing in talent to um, tell the story of what, you know, that experience they were putting together. So. I worked with a company called uh, United Entertainment Group, and they were working on a project called uh, Check Your Blind Spots. And it was a mobile tour, uh, a year-long mobile, mobile tour, uh, going around the country, stopping at places. And it was like this big, huge bus and this big, huge activation. And people can get on the bus and go through these experiences, and it would help them understand where their unconscious bias were. And so it was. An, I was like, "Are you, you definitely want me on this project?" <laughs> and you definitely like. I would love. I'd be honored to help you find, you know, local talent in every city, and then also train them so they're ready. Because that's not always an easy conversation to have with people, right? It's yeah. not, not everybody um, understands it. Like even I like realized afterwards. I was like, oh because I have some unconscious bias, like, wow. Like you just don't even realize it. So it was, it was being able to listen to exactly what they wanted to execute and then come up with a whole entire training strategy to do that and make sure it was sticky for these people. Cause sometimes you were going into a city and you were there for one event and you had 10 staff and that was it. And sometimes you were someplace for 10 days, right? And so it was trying to figure out the best way to make all of that training thoughtful, meaningful, sticky. Um, and also I think the fun part about it is that's when I finally started bringing on people to my team to help me to help me execute it. So that's when we grew as well.
0: And for everyone here, your expertise when you were working team side was fan experience and um, customer service, making sure that when you entered the facility, um, as a guest, you had the best time possible. That skill set is unbelievably valuable. The fans are the lifeblood of any organization. Can you identify any big takeaways for anybody who's, who's working in sports right now? Like, what do they need to focus on, or what do they need to think about when they're thinking of fan experience, or how to make sure that their guests have the best time possible inside their venue?
1: Mm, So I love that question. So I'll say three things. Um, First, it's acknowledging that the experience starts before they get to your venue. Uh, So, you know, my um, very first well my boss's boss, my very first boss in at the Red Sox would always teach us that. Right. So it's about the notion they get to go to the game. Right. And he has this whole 18 step journey. Um, which I of course used my entire career, even when I wasn't working for him, but it all made sense, right? So acknowledging that it's, you know, when they pick up the phone to call, how do they get in touch with you? Okay, now maybe they text, right? There's more live chats that are happening. So it's understanding uh, and starting that look way before they actually arrive at your venue. Um, So I think that's one of the most important things that I learned. And then it's also about your employees, your employees are so important. And so what I always, how I was raised professionally, right? Was to think that your employees are like no more than you do. And so that's always been something that has worked for me. Um, Having those focus groups. So the third one would be listening. So it's valuing valuing your employees, understanding who they are, giving them a voice, right? Listening to them. I don't care like if they're part-time or full-time, you should be treated the same, right? And then it's having those focus groups to listen to them, giving them surveys twice a year, right? Trying to understand um, how their experiences and also the fans, how the fans experiences. So learning about the employee experience, but also learning about the fan experience through the eyes of your um, employees.
0: So quick recap, because this is solid gold. So first of all, (laughs) Acknowledging that the experience starts before you ever arrive at the venue. Think through that process. Um, what does that fan journey look like? The second is the employees. Value and voice. The two, the two Vs. Value your employees and, and make sure they have a voice and that you're listening. And then the third is the experience of the fans and the employees and getting that feedback through continuously asking cool. with the surveys. Yes. We have um, a saying at, at my company, focus group of one. And we oftentimes fall into this focus group of one. And what that means is, well, I felt this way. I saw this. It's like, all right, well, we have to take ourselves out of our own specific experience and think about... What did the hundreds of employees or the thousands of fans, what was their experience? And we have to ask those tough questions, receive the data, analyze the data, and then make decisions based on what they have experienced, not what we felt. Mm, yes. Right? <laughs> and
1: so anyone who's listening to that, that is also gold because that's something I learned later. Like, right? Like I always, I, there was some times where I could feel myself going towards the survey of one. And then I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Like that, that was not the right move. Like you're thinking about your experience. Like it has, I, I hate to say it, but it has nothing to do with us. Right. <laughs>
0: no, it's it. so true. And we're already yeah. invested because it was probably our idea in the first place. It's the company that we, we are working for. It's something that we're invested in and we want to see work. So like you're already, your vision is already clouded. Like your focus group of one is not, is not adding any value. So um, that, that survey tool is paramount in understanding what do the guests really want? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then not using that, like you,
1: you nailed it, right? You're so invested in it. Sometimes it's hard to like see clearly. So it's, it's, if you can separate those emotions and realize that it is okay if you launch a program and you have to tweak things along the way. You have to remove things, add things, you know what I mean? Like add, change, delete is, it's okay, right? And then when you get that survey data, whether it's employee data or fan data, like don't try to make it tell a story that you think it should, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like just just read it and absorb it and let it tell you the story and then, and believe it.
0: Yeah. And I was listening to another interview you did and you touched on um, the emotion of work and removing or trying to remove that emotional investment in your work and thinking about it as your business. Um, And I think, you know, we work in an emotional industry. I mean, sports is built off of um, cheering for your team and rallying together. And, um, as employees, I think we have this additional emotional investment in wanting to make sure everything is great for everybody at all times. Do you have any tips on sort of pulling back a little bit and, um, able to put on that more like analytical hat and, um, and being able to assess the data or changes or what you should do moving forward?
1: You know, I always, I, I liked to uh, align things to the, the goal. Like, so what, like at the end of the day, what am I trying to do here? And there should only be like two or three goals. It should not be anything crazy. But like, for me, if we use the Cubs as an example, everything was I was doing was aligned to the customer service philosophy, right? And so that was important. It was called marquee moments, I believe. And so anything I was doing, I was I had that in mind. It had nothing to do with me um, had to do with marquee moments. So I tried to separate it. Now I'm a very emotional person. So that's something I worked on. I'm, I still work on it, you know, my entire career. And so I feel like one of the best ways to just, to like separate it is just to, it's almost like you have to, sometimes you have to process it. <laughs> I like just like, sometimes you have to have like a bad, I think Brene Brown always calls it a, a shitty first draft. Sorry if you have to beep that. Um, but like that always helped me. Sometimes I would just go and say things that I probably, like, I wouldn't say to my boss, <laughs> but I would just go and get it out. And like, sometimes that made me feel better. Um, I also, sometimes, um, I had a good thought and it totally just left my brain. Cause this happens to me sometime. Um, I had, you know, a, a client, a recent client just start crying on the phone. And I was like, this is good, or on her Zoom calls, like this is good, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Get it out now before you go and you talk to your boss. Like, it's okay to be emotional, um, but don't let it pent up inside and then let it out at a time that's not, you know, when you have a room full of people and you kind of just, you know, go. You know, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, you kind of just go off on them. Um, I think that's, I think that's really important. And then I think. The um, thing I was trying to say before is it's okay to fail. Like once I realized that, I was like, it is okay. Like, you, are, you are going to mess up. It is going to happen, you know? Like just be okay with it. And it's what you do after the failure that has meaning. Like you put yourself out there, you did something, you made a, um, a program that you thought was going to work. You aligned all the key stakeholders behind it. And everybody was behind your program and it didn't work that's okay, but what did you learn from it? Don't hang your head when that happens. Think about what you've learned from it and go back for more.
0: Hey, just a quick break to remind you to go on over to emilyjansen.com to download your free copy of the 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. This guide will show you what's possible to achieve in life while having an incredible career in sports and give you the tips so you can get to the top faster head on over to emilyjanson.com and grab your copy. It's free. Now let's get back to this great interview. I love what you said there. You just put it so perfectly. It's what you do after the failure. That's important. Yeah. And what a what a beautiful takeaway and a way to frame, uh, you know, so oftentimes we go through that failure and it's it is miserable um to not succeed. But we all know you're learning your greatest lessons afterwards. So think about, okay, you failed. What, what is the next step? And, um, you kind of led into a perfect segue here, as we were talking about emotion and in your zoom call, one of the other amazing pieces of your business is that you coach women Mm -hmm. Uh, who help women level up. I think that's why we are kindred spirits, uh, because that's what we, we aim to do. And so Tell us about that. Tell us about that business. Um, what's the biggest hurdle you see women working to overcome each day? Uh, let's, let's dig in.
1: You know, so
0: I'm, gosh, I feel so lucky. It's also
1: like careful what you ask for. because When I was doing the consulting, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be in these boardrooms and in these meetings. Like this feels really good. And I feel like a trusted, valued, you know, um, partner. And I was like, something was missing. And I, I realized I was like, I miss people coming to my office and asking me questions and like wanting advice. And I mean, I would stop and like, let's have a whiteboard session and plan out what you're gonna do for the next six months to get where you wanna get. So I missed that portion of it. So I thought, well, it's my business. Why can't I have a second like part of it? And so I just, I started it. And so I said, well, let me just interview some people and some women in sports. Some people were trying to get into sports and see but there's like a market for this. I do I know I would have wanted this. I know I tried really hard to get a coach and I wasn't like, I wasn't, I was like, you know, 10th in line or, you know what I mean? Like I just picked a number, but like my boss got one but I didn't quite get one just yet. And so um, I, I remember thinking I'm just gonna an interview and see. And so I started these interviews and I did six and four of the women were like, so can you send us some rates? I said, oh you know, and like, obviously played it cool. Like, of course, if they're listening now, they're probably laughing, but I was like, of course, I'll send you some rates. Let me put something together. And, you know, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So like, I just put together these packages and I went four for four. I was like, oh, okay. And so I was like, let's think about this. Like, what do I really realistically have the bandwidth to do? So I'm like, okay, I can take on six private one-on-one coaching clients. And, that's it for right now for 20, for 2020. And so, well, that was 2019, I was like into 2020. And I was like, gosh, I really wish I could do this all the time. (laughs) So careful what you wish for because then COVID hit. And so all of my like consulting contracts are everything's fan facing high touch, right? Like remember that bus I told you about, we're all on that bus, you know, picking up phones and putting on the, um, whatever you call those goggles. I always forget. I feel so old when I forget the name of it, but like you put those on your face, like that wasn't happening anymore. Uh, so I had more time on my hands. I was like, oh, well, I guess I can take on more clients. I was like, this actually works out really well. Um, so you asked the question before I launched into this long story, um, is like, what are some of the hurdles that women have? And I'm, There's about six, but let me not take you down that entire path. I think one of the biggest ones that they have is advocating for themselves. I hear that a lot. There's like a top three, but advocating for themselves and asking for exactly what they want, right? And so how do I, like, how do I ask for what I want? How do I ask for that raise, ask for that promotion, right? Like, I don't know, like, I'm just grateful to be here is my boss going to be mad, right? And thinking about things that they can't control rather than focusing on asking for what they want. Every single female that I had, and one of the greatest things about, and you probably feel this way, is our podcast, is that I said, I keep, I didn't expect this, not that I didn't expect to learn from the women that I was interviewing, but like every single time I'm like, you guys are either validating what I'm feeling or you're giving me a, way, a new way to look at it. And The one thing in my podcast is that the people who they struggled with it, but when they finally asked her what they want, they got it. And then they were like, why did I worry about this for so long? Um, So what I can help, what I help my clients do is just be strategic about it, right? Like, so they want something, how do I go get it? Help me get exactly what
0: I want. Advocate and ask were the two, I always like finding some alliteration to <laughs> draw it together. I, I like it. I'm like, oh, I got to use that. <laughs> the, the, two, the two A's that you said, advocate and ask. And I find, I find that same thing. Um, I see in here so often that people will um, sort of make an educated guess on the project they should be working on and the results that they should achieve. And the first thing I think you have to do is ask your boss, like, hey, am I on the right track here? Because if you're going to go and advocate for a raise or promotion for yourself, if you didn't produce the results that might have been expected, dang, you're going to walk into that meeting and not really get the answer that you were searching for. So you have to do sort of that pre-work to make sure that you're on the right track initially. And then you're prepared to make that ask for that, that next, that next step for yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain you know, foundation that should be laid down, but like not just at, you shouldn't just have this conversation during your, you know, annual review. These are things you should be talking about all year long and constantly talking about the work that you do and making sure it's well-received to your point.
0: Yeah. Well, and I can tell you from the people that I lead, I've got a lot of ambitious employees and I love that. I'm not put off when they ask me for more or they ask for a raise or they want a promotion. I think that's a great thing. That means that they're going to be working really hard to produce results for our team because they want to level up. Mm -hmm. And it's my job to figure out where that next opportunity can come from so that they can continue to grow with the company. So anybody that's feeling like your career progression is a burden for the company that you're working for, you need to shift that mindset because everyone wants hardworking, ambitious people working for them. So show up show up as that person.
1: Yes, I think that's well, that's well said and it isn't like you're not a burden you're not careful of the story that you're telling yourself. You have no idea how it's going to be received. So just be prepared. It's all on the preparation. It's all on the foundation that you lay. And then you just gotta, you have to ask though. You have to ask the question. You have to ask for what you want.
0: Do you have a success story from one of the women that you worked with? You don't have to say, you know, who she is or um, anything like that, but what um, did you help somebody get over a big hurdle?
1: It's really hard to pick one. Um, <laughs> I will say that my, I'm going to go back to the, the found, my founding clients. Right. And so somebody I helped, um, gosh, she's been a client for, you know, like a year and a half now. And, and I, gosh, it feels like so much longer. Cause like you get to, you're so invested. Right. And mm-hmm. you or know, like your employees, like you just feel like you know them forever. Uh, you know, without saying names, let's say that she had a, she was in a, um, a difficult situation and made the decision to leave. And that's always hard to leave sports because you're, everyone's always worried about getting back in. It's hard enough to get there, but then you have to make the decision for yourself and your own well being to leave. And I, she made a great decision, and, and that's when we came together. And so, um, you know, I think for her, it was helping her focus on what mattered most to her. So, you know, she went through this exercise, completed it for me, and then she's trying to make decisions and fielding these great job offers, because she's amazing. And she, there was one that was outside of sports and it was checking boxes that didn't necessarily, weren't necessarily important to her. But it's so easy to lose sight, right? When you're playing the comparison game, right? And you are, you know, looking at what your, your friends are doing, who just, you know, who are at these high levels and you're like, oh, I can finally get there. But then it's like, wait, that doesn't check all the boxes. So helping, you know, her see, that was a very, that was like a great moment. And whatever decision she made, I was going to support her, but it was helping her understand like, hey, but you told me this. So how did that change? And just having her be like, it hasn't, you're right. And so she kept on looking, landed a job, um, with the sports team is entry level, uh, wasn't what she wanted, but she's like, you know what, I'm just going to take it. You never know. And then this job opportunity came up um, for a director level and she sent it to me. What do I do? I was, she's like, I'm, I have to apply. And so we came up with a strategy. She's like, should I go into my boss's office now? And I remember being like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, cause he's going to ask you so many questions. So I was like, you need to prepare, go home and prepare and then come back tomorrow. Cause it's not going anywhere. The job's not going anywhere. And so that's what she did. And we had a bunch of strategies and it it worked. She's, she's very talented and it worked and she got that promotion. So she was there for like a month in an entry-level position and made that jump all the way to uh, a director level.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. It was so fun to be like, to support her um, while she was going through that.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk about just a couple of things that you said there identifying what we really want and it's crazy how tough of a question that is to answer yes I feel like even the further you get in your career like you have this idea of what's next this is what I want to do this is how I want to be perceived this is the title that I want to have um, but if you take the time to think about like okay well let's let's think about some of the other things what's what's the life I want to have outside of my job? Like, that's a huge question to answer. Um, what What are my larger goals? And that's where your work as a consultant really comes in super handy because sometimes you can't get out of your own head to really answer questions about yourself, which seems like so counterintuitive, but you need the support of, of somebody else to really help try out the real answers.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny because the exercise it's, the questions are easy. It's (laughs) actually sitting and, you know, actually writing them out and thinking through them. And so I, um, I had one client and she was like, I stared at this one question for (laughs) a solid 45 minutes. And I was like, Oh, Okay, <laughs> she was like, it was so hard for me to answer, but it forced me to think. And so she was invested and she just sat there and finally like, ah, I came up with something. I'm like, and it's okay. Like you can do this document once a year. Like it, your, your answers may evolve as you start to grow, but it's important to be clear on exactly what you want before you start to move forward.
0: So, so true. Did you hear that? The people in the back. (laughs) Be (laughs) clear on what you want before you decide to move forward. That is perfect. So Jahan, let's talk a little bit more about you specifically. You've helped so many others, but can you identify a tipping point in your own career?
1: Mm, And when you say a tipping point in my own career, do you mean where I was supported or helped or...
0: Well, it could mean a lot of different things. It's it's the sort of that unforeseen like you didn't know that you were at that that mountaintop. Like sometimes you get the best view of what's next when you've already made it. Right? Like you can see the next mountaintop the most clearly when you're already standing on your peak. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you don't identify that as a big tipping point or or a time where the next opportunity reveals itself because it took all the work to get there, before you can really see what's next. Yeah, you know, that's so. It's so well said. So when I when I
1: left um, the Cubs, I went to Deloitte, and and I and I tell this story. Um, to help other people who may be in my, the same situation. But I remember I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. I've always wanted to start my own business since, as, as long as I can remember. And I got, I get that from my father. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. This is it. And then, I I mean, it's scary. Like you are leaving, you have no security net. You are, it's, it's you're leaving and you're on your own. And so I was ready to do it. And then I'm talking to this, um, you know, uh, it was one of our consultants or somebody who's trying to work with us. And you know, he was like, you know, you should really think about getting consulting experience. You know, I run my own company and I, th- that's something that I wish I had. I don't know why I listened to him, but he validated my fears and I was like, you're right. Let me, so I applied at Deloitte and which I'm grateful. And I feel very, you know, like, little valley that I got a job at Deloitte and you eight like it's not hard easy to do um I didn't know that until a thousand people told me but I did it and then I got there and within a week I was like I gotta go like this is not my place I do not belong here um you know but I stayed for just a, like shy of a year uh but that was the a moment for me when I realized you don't need this. Like you, you are ready. You have everything you need to go start your own company. Like just, you have to, you have to go. And so, you know, delight was a great place, but it wasn't a place where I was going to thrive. So, you know, I, I made the decision to, to leave. And what I said to myself, like I was very unhappy. So I said, okay, Let's make sure, I mean, I had a huge jump, right? You know, we all know how sports pays. And so I made a huge jump um, financially. And I said, I didn't, I didn't care. I was like, I don't care. Like, take the money back. I just want to go. And so um, it was that when I was like, okay, the the way I can leave is if I have a client. And so I I want to start with a client. And so I worked really hard um, to figure out what that was going to look like. And it, it was just one of those moments where, somebody i was what's funny is it wasn't any marketing it wasn't like some website i put together or some you know something i sent out to people i sent a text to a friend who i had worked for at super bowl before as an independent contractor i took time off from the cubs for like a week and went out to arizona and worked on super bowl for her and so i texted her joking around i said hey do you want to hire a contractor <laughs> For like six months you know named jahan to help you with super bowl and she called me like three times when i was under the hair dryer and so i'm like meg what <laughs> i was like i'm under the dryer she's like you need to call me and i was like oh okay like and so she's like i'm about to get on a plane with my boss we have a new piece of business you would be perfect for it my boss loves you she's like the nfl knows who you are because you had talked to them prior like so we can sell you as that person. It's John, it's the perfect fit. And I was like, and she told me what the business was. And I was like, this is amazing. And she's like, we'll figure out how to make it work and keep you busy. And I was like, I'm in. And she goes, I'm getting on a plane right now. Are you in? And I was like, I'm in. And then hung up the phone and then like proceeded to panic. Like, I should call her back. <laughs> no, I can't do this. And I was like, I'm so glad she's on a plane. It was meant to be like, and that was it. And she called me and she's landed. She's like, um, you're in. And so she was my first client. And after that,
0: I just, I literally hit the ground running. That is such an incredible story. And I want to point out too, that this literally goes back to the beginning of the interview, when we were talking about networks Mm -hmm. and making friends and authenticity. And for you to send that message to her was the most natural thing in the world because you had built that relationship. And so setting those, um, those milestones for yourself. Okay, I can leave this job I don't enjoy if I can get this. And then you just went back to the network, said, hey, I am available. I am here. You know the type of work I can do. Is there anything for me? And I think anyone who's hired anybody knows it's challenging. It's so challenging to find the right talent. And, um, if your work speaks for itself and you keep in touch, dang, people are going to serve you up with those offers. And you just, you're another perfect example of, of how that world works. Yes. And you just have to, the key
1: there was just asking. Like just asking for help and just saying it. And you made it sound a lot better than that text actually sounded. I wish I could like take a picture of it and I wish I still had it, but it was, it was like meant to be like funny slash like, I need to do something and I need out, you know what I mean? But like, I didn't want to say that either. So I was just like, I just said whatever came to my mind. And I was just Uh typically myself and it, it worked. And um, to this day, I still work on Super Bowl because you know, Meg and her company and her boss's company gave me this opportunity. And while I don't work as men, as long um, and as many I can't commit to the same amount of hours as I did back then, I'm like, I'm with you because like, I'm just so loyal because you gave me my first opportunity and like it all, everything kind of fell together
0: because of that timing. So I'm, I'm forever grateful to her. Yeah, and you also have practiced what you teach women the advocate and, and the asking for the opportunity is what kicked off your entire business. So I, I think that is, that's just incredible. So with that, Jahan, what's next for you?
1: You know, I'm in it. So it's just kind of riding this wave. Um, it's, it's I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was like, I'm just really happy with where I am. And so it's just growing the coaching side of my business. How can I work with more women? How do I scale this, right? Like right now I do all one-on-one coaching, which I thoroughly enjoy, right? And so how do I have some workshops and some group sessions and, you know, I have upcoming webinar where I'm I'm so excited about it to talk to women about advocating for themselves but like, I was like, I need to do more of these. So I think, um, for me, what's next is continuing to grow my coaching business, but I've been moving at a pace that makes sense for me and the people I'm serving and making sure I really understand them and hear what they need and not going back to what we talked about, not doing the survey of one.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. And so I will ask you your favorite quote, so don't worry everybody, I'm gonna ask for that. But first, how do we keep in touch with you? Because we're on this train about your business, you're inspiring us all and telling us these wonderful success stories. So um, how do we get more Jahan? Yes,
1: so whatever your like sort of thing is, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm there's Jahan Blake. You can connect with me on that and Instagram. So I'm at Jahan Blake on Instagram. Uh, if you wanna send me a message, my email is jblake at jahanblake.com. Um, points if you can spell Jahan. <laughs> <And then laughs> I'm just kidding. It's J-A-H-A-A-N. And I'm sure you can see it in the show notes. Uh, and then, um, you know, if you just want to join my game of her own community, you can head to my web- website, jahanblake.com and sign up. And that's a great way to stay in touch as well.
0: And Jahan puts on these really awesome um, webinars, I guess, um, Zoom meetings, Zoom calls. Oh, yeah. Cocktails and conversation, is that right? And she brings together um, sports professionals, female sports professionals to come together, have a great conversation, um, have a sip or two of whatever you're, you're fancy, but pretty great topics. And again, like her network is, bananas. So the people that highlight these conversations are very incredible. They are. So it's, so
1: we meet once a month, um, cocktails and conversation, women in sports, and you can find out about them, um, on any of those platforms we just talked about, or just sign up for the, um, the community and you'll get an email and invite before everybody else. Uh, but they're so fun. It's a small group of around 25 women. We limit it. And it's just about lifting each other up. And that's it. That's all we do. And nobody's on there trying to like pitch themselves for a job. It's literally what I love to do. And it's just getting to know people. And of course, having wine while you do it. <laughs> and, I'll also, yes. and I'll also add the, another way to get in touch with me and just to hear stories is the podcast. Um, I almost forgot about that. So is the game of her own podcast, wherever you get your, um, your podcast, and Emily
0: is going to be an upcoming guest as well. (laughs) Yay, can't wait. All right. Finally, your favorite quote. We all probably know by now a big quote person. I draw a lot of inspiration from the words of others. Uh, Can you share with us your favorite quote?
1: Yes, and I love that you have this. I'm also a quote person, so I love looking at others people's when you post it. Uh, My favorite quote is, um, from Nelson Mandela. And it's, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. And I, I have to, I, you know, I have it um, up on a post-it all the time, although it fell today. I don't know why, uh, but I have it all the time right in front of me. It's something that's so important that it's okay. Like it's okay to feel the fear,
0: right? But you have to do it
1: anyway. You can't let it stop you.
0: You do. I've got this um, great little saying, 20 seconds of courage. What could you accomplish if you just had 20 seconds of, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, you pump yourself up for that. It's fear is natural. It's so natural as a human, but can you overcome it for even 20 seconds? What, what could you do? Yes. I love that. Well said. Yes. Well, Jahan Blake, founder and CEO of the J Blake Group. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you for sharing so much of yourself with us. I know I learned a lot and um, the listeners will too. Thank you. Yes, thank you for
1: having me and thank you for everything you are doing also for women uh, and women in sports.
0: Thank you, Jahan, for that awesome interview. You are such a superstar and we're so Excited you shared your voice with us today. So without further ado, Jahan's top four takeaways. Number one, on your network, make friends. If you have a professional relationship with someone who makes an impact in your life, stay in touch, make it authentic, talk to people you want to get to know. Some people think they have nothing to offer. So Jahan asks, how do you know that? You have not met that person yet. You have no idea what they need. So reach out. Number two, on customer service, to have the best customer experience, you must acknowledge that the customer experience starts before the fan ever reaches your venue. It's about the notion that they get to just go to the game. Think about the communication you have with that fan from the moment they decide to purchase a ticket. Employees are the most important piece of customer service. Except that it is actually great if your employees know more than you do. Value their opinions, listen to their suggestions, and give them opportunities to share their voice where they feel heard. Share plans for action on their suggestions. Finally, survey both your customers and your employees. Number three, on pulling back from your emotional investment in your job. For your own mental health, pull back to the goal of the company and separate the goal of the company from yourself. Jahan's example is marquee moments with the Cubs. Marquee moments was the Cubs thing, not hers. And it was her job to make marquee moments come to life. And number four, in Jahan's experience, advocating for yourself and asking for what you want are the biggest hurdles women face in the workplace advocate for yourself and ask for what you want. Be strategic and remember these two A's for the best chance at personal career success, advocate and ask. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up, head on over to EmilyJanson.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's J-A-E-N-S-O-N.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedis and distributed by Anchor FM.